Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along Show. Hello and welcome to episode 111. Tonight's show is brought to you by Cat Piles and Running. <laughs> uh, we're going to go first with patrons, I think. Me and Andrew's computer don't get along. Starting at $10 a month, we've got Zozo. That's a new one. Zach, Will, Tweaker Seeker, Tri-Cities Pet Cthulhu, Tom, Todd, Ty, Tennessee Zach, Taper, Bore, Bro, SCG Shuko, Sam, Pecklin Racing, Sam Cran, uh, Solus, uh, Ryan Plum, Parker, Noah, Nick, My Pal Dow, MTB Shenanigans, Leland, Kenny Sucks, Ken, Josh, Josh, Jeff, JC, Jarjix, Jake D with no wittiness. Jake D. <laughs> <laughs> That's so what that, I was laughing at. That wasn't actually Jake. We have an imposter among us. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, Green Giant, Gordon, G-Man, F That Guy Mark, Ezra, Trilla, G, Evan, Eric, Drew. Yeah, just Drew. I don't know. The last name is P-Balls. Mm, okay. I was, yeah. Or, you know what? All right. Uh... Draped up and dripped out. Dan, Captain Fickle, Cam Irish, one. Billy Singlespeed, Bilbo Baggins, Alec, AJ, Aaron, Esker Cycles at 11.69. Then we've got 14 kangaroo ears from Lead Out Sports and Josh from the Intezza. Uh, Dean Fleming at 16.50 kangaroo ears. I have to give an emu fact now. Oh my God. I was listening. I'll come back to the emu fact after this. So yeah, because I think people fast forward the patrons. Scott, at $20 a month, we got Scott, Poop Ranch, Joe, Brady, Anthony, Affordable Trail Solutions, 30 from Harley, 31 from Troy, 32 from Jade, and 50 from Six Pack Outdoors. You mean from Brad? I can't read anymore. Okay. What did I say? Jade. Whatever. I do my best. <laughs> What's which your emu fact? Which isn't very good. So, I can't remember the other ones. But I was listening to Meat Eater Trivia, and they were like, which bow, like... Which, uh, like, it was a question about birds and which ones have solid bones because most birds, birds have hollow bones. Emus have solid bones as well. Ain't that some shit. Ain't that some shit. I mean, it's a bird the size of a fucking house, so I guess the bone <laughs> has to be solid. Emus don't fly, do they? No. They're like ostriches. Ostriches. Yeah. Ostrichi. Yeah. They don't need to fly. They can just kick you to death. Yeah, pretty much. What about cassowaries? Do they have solid bones? Are those those really scary birds? They're like, like super they're deadly? smaller than an emu, but I think they're more violent. They're more prone to violence. This is just going to become the runting, the runting, the running, hunting, bird fact, and everything emoto related show. And meat rice. And meat rice. Yeah, um, there need to be more violent birds. I think. There does not need to be more violent birds. I think birds. every bird is violent, just not enough of them are big enough to do anything. Like, think about a hawk. Hawks are really violent. Chickens are mean as hell sometimes, but they're just, you know, six pounds and you can kick them in the head. <laughs> we had that rooster that would, he would hurt you. Like, if you weren't paying attention, he'd run up behind you and kick you, and it actually hurt pretty bad. But then a hawk Like, what's the him. worst way a chicken can hurt you? Like, peck, peck you? Like, will they draw blood? Uh, they can spur uh, not you. Not really. I mean, pecking doesn't feel good or anything, but they their main defense... Oh, they got, like, nasty-ass feet with extra toenails yeah. and shit, right? Yeah, so, uh, like, if a chicken's mad at you, it'll come at you with, like, its neck feathers puffed up, and it comes at you with its feet. Yeah, How does it come like, at you with its feet, though? It, because, like, does it kind of half-ass fly? You. They okay. kind I don't know, like, some something about the way, like, the rooster we had, and this is what roosters do, like, they jump. It's like they jump and kick at you at it's, the same it's time. Like a drop and drop kick. And it, it feels like someone hits you with a baseball bat. Like, it actually has a lot of force behind it. Like, way more than you think a, you know, an eight-pound chicken could generate. I mean, Amos was big. He was probably an eight-pound chicken. Didn't you give him away? No, a hawk. He got in a fight with the hawk. Oh, that's right, yeah. All right, um, I'm going to talk about what I've been doing other than learning facts about emus. Every, we are going to have, like, three listeners when this is over. I randomly found out that a dude from work used to listen all the time. Used to? Well, he has like a kid now, and he has a different role at work, so he doesn't get to listen to podcasts at work anymore. Womp womp. But uh, he shares the love of 370 hubs with me. We were talking about some hubs popping. You mean the hate? Well, no, 
Yeah, he loved my hate of 370 oh, okay. hubs. That's okay. what I meant to say. Apparently, I can't speak tonight. I'm going to do that annoying thing where I talk about days. It's Wednesday. I ran on Friday night a couple of miles, and then on Saturday, I hiked a couple of miles, very unsuccessfully grouse hunting. On Sunday, I hiked a couple. I went up and did a little bit of spectating on Vapor Trail. Um, and then um, after doing a little spectating, I went and did some more grouse hunting. Saw zero grouse. Then on Monday, I went to work. On Tuesday, I went to work. And then today's Wednesday, I went for a little run at lunch. Um, you know, I was feeling pretty sore after my crash. And to be honest, I just have no desire to ride my bike. Um, something about smashing into the ground at a really high rate of speed just really knocked the desire to go mountain biking right out of my ass. So It'll come back eventually. Yeah. Maybe springtime or something. Yeah, but I'm trying to not get fat and totally out of shape, so I'm going to run some. Yeah, and you need to hike some for uh, getting ready for deer season. Yeah, but running will help with that. Yeah. Nobody that's really good at running is terrible at hiking. That's true, but you, you got to like get out with the pack and... I know, but... Climb over trees and shit. I've been doing that. That's good. Let's see. Anything else that I've done that's even remotely fun? Nope. Nope, that's it. So, yeah. Uh, Someone else just start talking because I'm out of shit to say. You want to hear about elk stories? Can they go quickly? I was going to tell one. I was just going to go with one story and then... Everyone else, we can do like a an antlerless podcast. All right. I need to take notes though about shit that's happened. But anyway, this one is kind of two stories rolled into one, but it involves the same elk over two days. I have been hunting from this one trailhead a good bit, and occasionally I would see this beige ambulance. I mean, it was an ambulance. It was painted beige, maybe some suspension work, and obviously a conver- converted into a uh, camper of so- some sort. And the other day I got to the trailhead and the the parking lot was actually a little more full than usual and I was going to camp that night so I needed to park someplace relatively flat and the only place to park was next to this beige ambulance and creeper fan extraordinaire. Yeah, yeah. So like I, I was like, well, I'll just, you know, if I have to move, I will. I'll find somewhere else to park um, if they come back. I don't know. I went out, hunted, didn't find anything, came back. And I see back doors of the ambulance are open. There's, like, some tents and stuff, like, hung up in the tree next to it and off the back door. And it's like, oh, this person's here. They're drying their shit out. And uh, I was like, you know, I'm going to offer to move if they want me to because I honestly wouldn't really want someone just, like, if I was parked someplace and someone came and parked, you know, 10 feet away from me, I'd be a little bit miffed about it. Uh, So I kind of poke my head around the back. I'm like, hey, man. Hey, man. And this lady pops her head out of the ambulance and she's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, hey. <laughs> Sorry, I just assume everyone here is a guy. <laughs> and uh, we both had a laugh about that. We talked a bunch. She, there is exactly one bighorn sheep hunting tag for uh, this area. Zone. This zone. Uh, and she has the tag. And she applied for exactly three years to get it, which if you know anything about getting tags like oh that, God. that is a, a very rare occasion. Anyway, uh, while we were talking, we hear this very sad elk bugle. And we both kind of laughed. Like, we heard it and we're like, oh man, someone is really struggling with their with their elk call. And we kept on talking and... A minute later, we hear this sound that sounds like a chimpanzee in the woods. And it's we were like, that actually sounds a little bit like an elk because they make a noise like that. I'll find it and insert it here, get Matt to insert it here. So uh, we talk a little bit more, um, go to bed, and I have plans in the morning to hike up a certain trail and hunt off in kind of the high country area near Treeline. And... I'm on my way up there, and I see, and it had rained a little bit, but there are tracks in the wet dirt where the wet dirt has been picked up and moved, and there's dry dirt under it. So obviously some elk crossed the trail and went into the woods sometime in the last 
eight to ten hours. So they're probably there because they tend at night to go, they get a drink of water, they run off in the woods, they lay down for a while. So I go off into the woods. I just nix my plans. Uh, you know, you can't let your agenda get in the way of a fresh track if you're out hunting. So go out into the woods. I call maybe twice and I hear the same sad bugle. And I'm like, what the fuck? Is that someone just fucking with me? And I call again and I hear the same like kind of aggressive chimpanzee noise. Um, elk can grunt and chuckle. And there's similar noises. Um, the grunt is a little bit more aggressive. And at this point, I'd say he was kind of chuckling. It's a little bit higher pitched. It's just not as aggressive of, of a noise. And um, so I kind of backed off because I needed to get situated with the wind. I went back in, got kind of in the same area, called again. He makes the same noise. I'm like, okay. All right. So I kind of like set up where I have some shooting lanes. I'm not too far away from him. Probably, I don't know, 50 or 60 yards. Yeah, I'm within 100 yards of him easily, just based on how loud he sounds. And I call. All he does is, from then on, it's all just the chimp noises. Just chuckles and grunts. He obviously rounds up his cows and moves a little ways away. Not just totally running away, which they do sometimes. Uh, but he just kind of moves across this hill face. I follow him, get set up again, call him, does the same thing. And I proceed to follow him for uh, right around four hours because he was moving very slowly. Every time he would move, and I, I saw one cow once. I saw him once. I only got like a quick peek of like the side of his head and like one of the one part of an antler. I have no idea how big he was. Uh, but yeah, I just basically followed him and I I figured he had his cows kind of rounded up close enough because a lot of times if you try to get really close to a bull elk, a, a cow elk will see you because you're not looking for that and you'll just get busted and they'll all run off. But that didn't happen and I just kept getting closer and closer and he was making noises that if I did not know, like if I was just whatever, a person just from wherever that didn't know about elk and, you know, an elk's just a big deer and I don't know about the noises they make. If I just was out in the woods and didn't know that elk made those noises and I heard the noises coming out of this elk, I would first shit my pants and then I would run. I would call the local zoo and say there's some kind of animal loose in the woods and I would never go in the woods again because it was fucking, like, loud and angry like I've never heard an animal this angry before he was just thrashing bushes with his antlers and making this growling noise along with these chimp noises and you could hear him kind of squealing because he was so mad but normally when that happens if they won't come into your call like that there's actually a cow in heat in the herd and they won't leave them because if they leave you know if they get out of sight of them and you know, leave them by themselves, then another bull might come in and they, they don't want that to happen. So he ended up, once they got away from really thick cover, um, he ended up moving them very quickly down into another drainage that I just, it was just too quick for me to follow. And it obviously just wasn't going to work. Like, you know, he just, that, that strategy was not working because I got pretty fucking close to him um, and he just would not come out of the bushes. So that's my story of the week. I have lots of other ones, but that is... The only one that y'all will endure. Yeah. Unwillingly. Kenny, what you got? God damn, you're an asshole. I'm... It's just because you've heard the story before. I'm not being an asshole. I'm trying to be funny. I'm not being a dick. I thought you were being a dick. If I was being a dick, I'd be like, cool. No one cares. All right, Kenny. So I have surprisingly been doing a decent amount of mountain biking. Which is crazy. Yeah. So I think I've done maybe two morning rides before work. It's been really nice out here, which is awesome. It's been like slightly rainy, but nothing crazy. And yeah, just got up early and rode the old Kinevo SL. Wait, and you rode the uh, pedal bike? Yes, yes. Do you have a temperature? <laughs> it's it's crazy. I'm, that something might be something might be wrong. I mean, it's not but really yeah. a pedal bike. It's an e bike. That's true. 
Now who's yeah, being a not dick? Even, <laughs> it's not even. It's not even the same thing. Do you, wait, I, I think we've asked this before. I think I know the answer. I don't think you have any bikes at this point, right? That that is correct. Yes, I do not own a single traditional bicycle. You have one jalopy abomination that goes on the trainer, but it's not fit for outdoor use, right? That is correct. Got it. The only bike that I really have is my Kinevo SL. That's it. The only bicycle adjacent thing I have. What about the fat Kinevo bike? SL. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> you got to get that out of the basement. Bike. It's getting t- close to time for that. Yeah, you need to get I it know. out. Pour I'm a gallon stoked. Ceiling in each wheel. It's going to be know, great. I'll Kenny, get an entire I, season this time. I don't know if you noticed, but Rocky just came out with an e-fat bike. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think it's a really missed segment because fat biking is not like a super amount of fun i think if you were in a super flat area have you ever ridden nice groomed trails no it's so much fucking fun i think if you were in slightly more flatland and you had decently groomed trails totally get it an analog fat bike could actually be enjoyable but in utah you like slog up the side of a mountain and it's really hard yeah, yeah, that's so, that's what she That's said. not that fun. Anyway, rode the Kinevo SL. It's been really nice. The bike is really fun. Uh, I don't dislike it. I know I haven't had any kind of rave review of the Kinevo SL. It's a 170-170 bike. It's pretty rowdy, but it rides around just fine. Like, it's not... It doesn't feel like you're riding a DH bike or anything like that. It's still definitely quite pleasant to pedal. It doesn't handle goofy. I obviously ride more moto now so i think having that slacker geo and longer wheelbase and a slower handling bike i'm more used to that now so maybe my riding style doesn't clash with the kinevo sl as much as it would have many years ago well and also you're spending what does that thing weigh like 35 36 pounds it's not that light no the, let's just say 40 just to be round i think number. it's like 41 or 42 Okay. It's still definitely, without a doubt, it's 10 pounds lighter than like the lightest full-power e-bike you're going to ride, pretty much. But it's 140 pounds lighter than your Telaria, or 120 <laughs> pounds lighter. Uh, uh, We'll call it 100 pounds. Yeah, it weighs like 150, the Telaria. But anyway. Yeah, so it's still super story. light and nimble feeling compared to Oh, yeah. Speaking. Yeah, for sure. But it's, yeah, it's fun. I really like it. It's a cool bike. I'll probably keep it for a while in other news i can't say exactly what yet because we don't know exactly how it's going to go but there definitely is some uh, possible new suspension on the way for the kinevo sl that could be fun and exciting so as that progresses we will discuss it with you all uh what else nothing else new on the bike it's working great i did a really fun moto ride on sunday on the talaria in our normal Hobble Creek area that we've been going to a whole bunch now. And we just keep exploring like kind of further and further out there. It's a really neat area. And we found a super cool trail this time with a group of three of us. And it was definitely just a fun, uh, like fast climbing trail where you can just be all down in the power. And it's just, you know, you're going up kind of a, a dry, almost a dry riverbed. And there's just all kinds of cool moves and just, way fun and then the trail turned into double track and then it turned into pretty much a hiking trail and it very much said i made sure it said that it was moto legal and we did see one hiker on the trail and they were you know perfectly happy to see us and we were of course nice to them but it was pretty much a hiking trail and it got rowdy fast and it was just a ton of fun we played no dab which is a great game that i recommend people play on uh for example, one of the best places to play no dab would be Gooseberry Mesa. Good example, where there's all kinds of difficult stuff all the time, and it's very easy to dab a foot down. But you have a group of two, three, four, five people, and whoever's in front, if they put a foot down in a section, then they go to the back of the line. And it just encourages the person in the front of the line to take chances that they wouldn't normally take, but in a good way. Like it makes you, I think it truly makes you a better rider. Because you get in that mental space of like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna clean this. And then you just do it. Yeah. So that's what we did on the motos. And man, we were going through some shit that 
was full rowdy. It was crazy. Uh, Matt, I'm sure you would have loved it, and I'm sure you would have crushed it. It was very uh, trialsy. We'll see. I don't know. It was it was very trialsy. Uh, just fun, just fun stuff. Nothing like hugely consequential. Uh, everybody crashed a few times, and, but it was just fun, just fun stuff. Lots of chunky rocks, like off camber roots. But all the little sections were like pretty small, and there was nothing like. There was no sustained vert that you were going to like go flying off the mountain or anything. If you crashed, you kind of, it was a riverbed essentially we were going through and it was just a great time. Like we had super, a super huge amount of fun. We were just laughing. Uh, people were crashing and yeah, it was a great time. So had a lot of fun on the moto. What else is going on in my world? Uh, Ridgey update. <laughs> yeah. It is and a great car. Drive it a couple it's times a week. And lining. It, it's rigid. You can put shit in the back of it and then and then pull shit out of the back of it. It's pretty cool. Do you ride your bike to work ever? Uh no, pretty much not ever. I rode the green machine to work maybe ten times. Got it. Yeah, but no, I don't don't ride the bike to work. It's not a horrible route, but it's not super enjoyable and i just don't like being sweaty for work yeah it's kind of gross even on the e-bike like you can definitely you you just get that half like, as sweaty as you would be but you're just you're still like a little funky you're sweaty in all the expensive places <laughs> uh what else is going on i think that's pretty much it i will be i'll give people more updates but i'll be going to europe here in about a month so there will probably be a couple of shows that I will be absent on. So just on adventure. heads up on that. What, they yep. don't have internet in Europe? Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> I think it's like, I think it's different internet. So yeah, right. that's it. That's, uh, everyone's gone. I guess we've got listener questions perhaps. Yeah, we've got uh, listener questions and we have a few Oh, new tons shits. of new shit. I didn't find tons of new shit, but... You, you oh, start then. Tons of new shit. Yeah, if you've got tons of new shit, then you start. All right. So we're a Santa Cruz dealer now. Have been for uh, a I'm month. So not that long. But anyway. Oh, but you were a Cervelo dealer before. We were a Cervelo dealer for a couple of years, but we finally picked up Santa Cruz. So we have all kinds of brands now. We have Specialized, Trek, Scott, Cannondale, BMC, Cervelo, Santa Cruz, Seven. Jesus, it's easier to just say what brands you don't have. Yeah, giant. I feel like I'm missing something. We don't did do giant. S- we don't do pivot. Did you say Scott? We do Scott. I think I said Scott. Maybe I didn't. Yeah, you did. So we do a lot of a lot of brands, which is really cool. It's fun to be able to carry a little bit of everything, and we will continue to do that as long as we possibly can. I think. But anyway, moral of the story is we picked up Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz has a couple new models that have come out. They have the Skitch, which is a gravel e uh, gravel bike. I haven't actually. I'm sure we've gotten some. I just haven't been able to throw a leg over one yet. And they also just came out with the SL version of that bike. Well, that's not really accurate. That same kind of drivetrain, that SL Niss. They're putting that into a Heckler, and it's called the Heckler SL, and it uses the Fazua drive system. I'm not actually familiar with the Fazua, so I can't speak is on it, it i don't know is it, it could be Fazoo garbage i have Faza? no idea uh we can call it whatever we want are there any umlauts in it there's no umlauts there could be though fazoo like the u is there it's f-a-z-u-a right hold on uh, let me ask the internet Faj fajwa i've always heard it pronounced faza but maybe that well, doesn't make any sense either who gives a shit where does the u go I don't, it just, it's there. Who cares? Let's just move on. Cause I don't think that any, a redneck from Tennessee is definitely not going to get that one pronounced right. It's like S- French, Spanish, some shit. Who knows? I don't care. I don't know, man. You might be like a, a phonetic monster. I am not. I can't pronounce Cthulhu. So <laughs> he, there's a U on the end of that word. And every time he reads it, it's an A. I don't know how that happens. You need to go so and look yes. at it. 
It's because I'm a redneck. It's Cthulhu, sure, but it's like getting George W. Bush to say nuclear without saying nuclear. Nuclear? Yeah. (laughs) You know what? I'm just, (laughs) I'm going to bed. Um, Let's back up and talk about how stupid the sketch is for for one reason only. Go for it. There's not a single bike on the planet that handles optimally with both flat bars and drop bars. Yeah, you do kind of need yeah, to Yeah, I never I never understood that move. That's a that was a bold That's a bold one. Also, who's Do you think anyone's going to buy the flat bar version? It, mountain bike bros who don't want to look gay with drop bars. Mountain bike bros who want to commute on it and then realize it has zero accoutrements for racks and fenders and all that shit and they're just going to be real bummed. Because they're Is just going to have thing is a mountain bike bro who also wants to commute? Surely not. <laughs> Well, when you lift your Tacoma and put 37s on it, it starts getting 14 miles per gallon. I'm pretty convinced that all of the dumb shit that happens to gravel bikes with extraordinarily wide bars and, you know, mountain bike-sized tires with the extraordinarily... I mean, this is also bikepacking bikes, but people who are like, I want... Mountain bike bros who are like, I want a gravel bike. And they go and they look for the shittiest drop bar mountain bike you could possibly buy. And it's usually one of those bikes that is somehow marketed to be really badass so you're not like a gay roadie. And I use gay in quotes there because that's like that's really what the marketing is about. You open up any you open up that the article about the sketch e bike and it's a dude in a mountain bike helmet in jeans and Vans. A, crew, a crew neck sweatshirt and a backpack that's got a lot of sweat under it. And he's he's doing like he's drifting sideways off of gravel onto grass. He's been sliding for no joke. It's at like, this hey, point. look, you can get a gravel bike and you're not gay. This dude's been sliding for no exaggeration, 25 or 30 feet. This kid's about to eat shit so hard. His mustache is going to be full of gravel when he gets up. <laughs> exactly. Like you can't, you know, like there's. There's no Santa Cruz isn't going to have an ad where someone is in spandex racing, you know, a drop bar gravel bike in the steamboat gravel race or something. It's just not going to happen because that's not their market. That's not, you know, people will their market's going to see that and be like, ugh, I, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to yeah, but spandex. Here, this is an interesting topic though because someone else at work brought this up, and I'm not going to mention the brand, but there was a brand that released some recent video and it was like full okay i think for a minute there it was fun and funny to make a video that made a little fun of yourself i think some of the specialized ones maybe four years ago three years ago where they kind of making fun of the big s and the big marketing and all that stuff and they were kind of like making fun of themselves very tongue and they had they had a little bit more bro style videos where it was just like people having fun on bikes and kind of just being silly, right? Instead of trying to take themselves so seriously. I think that was actually kind of fun and refreshing, but I think some people have taken it too far. And this one brand made this video. Everyone's like cussing all through it. And it was for a bike that was really expensive. So like, who do you think your clientele is here? Your clientele, whether you like it or not, is like, dentists and stuff which is nothing wrong with that but like who there's this disconnect between who they're talking to they're trying to be like funny but it's i think it's really missing the mark does that make sense can i give you a great example from a different perspective sure i had a really great conversation with someone the other day and they were talking about how the brand that they work for their marketing will never include beer and okay the best way to sum it up is the person that drinks beer while they're riding, that does not influence them to buy the product. The person that doesn't drink beer may be turned off from that product. Yeah, and that's really similar, really similar thing, yeah. No one expects your ad to be like, this bike fucking rips. If a brand puts out a video and a DH racer like cusses in his run because like he smokes a tree or whatever and rolls over to the feet of the cameraman and is like fucking hey that's way different you know but like a scripted marketed marketing video where somebody's like 
this bike fucking rips. You can send sick ass drops. Like who fuck? Jesus Christ, that's not gonna sell any bikes. But yeah, it will so, make people that don't talk like that not feel like they're part of the people that the bike's for. Yeah, I think that's accurate. So I think some of these marketing departments need to be careful with what they're doing. Like it's fun, it's fun to be fun and do fun things, but yeah, yeah, you get, don't lose focus of who you're actually marketing to. If you're well, gonna spend a bunch of money on this marketing and make this this whole production, and then you're also completely missing who's actually gonna buy your product, you're just burning money. And also, I'm pretty sure that if you did a wall ride on your sketch like the person in the ad, and you taco the wheel, um, they probably won't warranty that. That probably voids the warranty. No questions asked. <laughs> so, a, a, and another great example, Kenny, like if your band name is like Goat Fucker 9000, <laughs> and you're, I don't know, I'm going to make this up, but this is probably going to actually exist. It's like Swedish underground black metal or whatever. Yeah, you can make your album art or your concert poster be like, we skull fuck goats or whatever. And no one cares because that's your target audience, you know. But Lexus isn't going to make an ad that like somebody slides up and rolls the window down and is like, this car fucking rocks. <laughs> yeah, right. Because, I mean, if you're Lexus, your target market is going to be someone who can afford a Lexus. Not that Lexus are crazy expensive, but like that's just it's a slightly different market. So you trying to be like if you're the Lexus marketing department and you just decide overnight like, oh, I, I know how we should sell more Lexuses. Let's sell them to, you know, the young people with no money. It's like, okay, cool. It would be neat if young people with no money would buy a Lexus, but they're fucking not gonna. So why would you <laughs> make some ridiculous ad that panders to the young people with no money. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, well, and also they call this as a commuter bike and it's got no, well, Matt brought this up. There's absolutely no anything for racks or fenders or anything that you might use for commuting. It doesn't even have a fucking light. I mean, most e-bikes have a front light. Like a built-in light. Yeah. yeah like a built-in light. This has no fucking lights on it. So I don't know. It, so back to, back to the heckler. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. Back Sorry. to the heckler. So <laughs> the, 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 the heckler SL does have a kind of cool new drive system. It does look pretty cool on paper where it's got a pretty compact motor. The motor, it's not like that weird concentric thing like the TQ motor, but the like motor part of it is stuffed up inside the down tube, kind of upside down, if that makes sense. And it makes the bottom bracket area very uh, svelte, which is pretty cool. Like it's nice and it looks almost normal bikeish, which is pretty cool it's got a fairly large battery for an sl style mountain bike so i think it maybe ticks some boxes i would really like to ride one i've heard a couple fazua maybe had some growing pains there for a minute so we'll see if any of the stuff is like chintzy and how the power comes on like there's a lot more to an e-bike than just the torque spec or how big the battery is it still needs to work as a system so anyway just cool more uh more e-mountain bikes. I know a lot of people may roll their eyes, but that is that is what a lot of people want. They want more more e-bikes. Uh, other new bikes, we have the 2024 Roubaix, which looks uh, a lot like the old Roubaix, to be honest. Have you seen it Matt, yet? Matt's having a stroke because he just pulled a nose hair out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the new Roubaix looks great. Is he freaked out because it was an accident, or? No, it's just my nose has been itching for like an hour, and I've been trying to make it stop. And I thought it was this errant nose hair, but it turns out that wasn't it. Um, <laughs> ah. You know, I only have one beef with the new Roubaix, and that is why does the Diverge not have all the same things that the Roubaix has? Like it's why very, do, I, I'm getting yes the the I dropped am. seat stay with the essentially seat post cap or seat stay cap slash you know dampener uh, what the dampener inside no the no seat the post? seat stay the you clamp the seat post right there oh okay. so you get all this extra flex Got it, yeah and they've done that on the Roubaix for 
six years and they've never done it to the diverge for the diverge they like snorted a big line of coke they're like let's make it a soft tail kind of where the seat moves <laughs> and for this they they didn't they this is awesome why don't they do that for the diverge yeah i'm very confused they're blurring the lines which on one hand can be neat but i think they're getting to a point where you kind of can't why the only reason to my knowledge that you would have a diverge and a roubaix in the way they exist today the only thing that's really different about them is the new roubaix can fit a 38 and the diverge can fit a 40 whatever i don't know off the top of my head but a bigger tire slightly or something slightly bigger tire and that is like it right can you get I should know all this stuff, but I just can't remember. There's the amount of things uh, rattling around in my head is insane. I don't remember if the, any of the diverges come with a springy sprongy. <laughs> I don't remember now either. I'm, I'm, I'm not. pretty sure that some of them come with springy sprongies. I'm pretty sure most of them do, right? I, I and we mean, also I get remember. we get springy sprongy version 3.0, which has maybe extra clickety clacks in it. And maybe some type of actual damper. I don't. I'm not positive, but anyway. Yeah. Well, there's uh, now three versions. There's a 3.0 or a 3.1, a 3.2, and a 3.3, and they have different types of damper adjustments. Hmm. Interesting. I was told that they retrofit to all the old bikes. So if you want to retrofit your bike, they're then really you can. expensive, though. Probably. Then one nice thing I will say even though that is definitely the definition of proprietary, they've at least been making these things for a number of years now where the likelihood of you having one of these that's 10 years old and being able to like repair your broken springy sprongy is pretty high. Like you can go buy the 3.0 and slap it in your old Roubaix, which is pretty cool. So if you're going to do proprietary stuff, it's kind of nice that you do it for a long time. Uh, Any other comments on the Roubaix? No, not really. <laughs> I'm sure it's great. It's in the Roubaix has always sold well. Most people, whether if most people are real with themselves, that's the genre of bike that you need. Your average enthusiast cyclist who enjoys the road persuasion, that's going to be a phenomenal bike that's comfortable. Uh, you probably don't need some super race missile that is going to be uncomfortable to ride. No, not at all. Did we talk about the... I, I tried to deal with my nose, and I just failed. Yeah, Matt just went to the bathroom and ripped a line of Coke, or actually just pulled a nose hair out. Do Did we talk about how they changed the Geo, though? They made it 10 millimeters longer reach, average across all the sizes. Yeah, longer reach. Not what most of these customers need. They Well, they say in the article, you just put a shorter stem on it. I mean, which is accurate to a degree. The The... Because the head tube angles are getting slacker, it does make sense to just put a shorter stem on it. But, I mean, surely they're just putting the appropriate size stem on each appropriate size, right? Like, if the old, I'm making stuff up, if the old 54 came with a 90, hopefully this one comes with an 80, right? You would hope so. I I don't know the answer to that. The tricky part there would be, don't underestimate how curmudgeon-y people will be about road bike sizing. Oh, if God. Some, if some dude 25 <laughs> years ago bought a 58 and he is 5'10", he will insist for the rest of his life <laughs> and he will go to the grave with it that he's a 58 and he will argue with you about it. Absolutely. And he will, con- and he will continue to buy the wrong bike for himself over and over and over again. And it's bizarre. Because my Le Mans was a 58, so all of my bikes are a 58. It's always the oh, Le Mans guy. Eye roll. Just, I wish people would just be open. I was open with myself way back when. I remember the first time that I rode a women's specific Cannondale 54. And I was like, this is my bike. This is amazing. Yeah. Like, I, I am a woman. I want, to, <laughs> I, I want to ride this bike. But I didn't let that, like, I don't let my ego get involved. Like, it just fit me better. Yeah. And it's because it had a slightly taller head tube and it was slightly shorter. And that just happens to fit me. So, like, I wish people would just put their freaking egos down for a second and ride the thing that actually fits them. It's bizarre. Yeah, exactly. Matt, are you... He just keeps pulling nose hairs. Why are you doing this? (laughs) (laughs) 
He's just pulling nose hairs out and setting them down on the counter. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, what do you have to say for yourself? I'm not a smart man. (laughs) Oh, God. I Um, I don't know. You know, if y'all could take a ride inside my brain for like half an hour, you'd want out. Yeah, it's not not advisable. Like you'd come out of Kenny's brain and you'd be like, "Wow, I like know a lot of stuff now." You'd come out of Andrea's brain and you'd be like, "I don't, I don't know what just happened." happened? You'd come out of Matt's brain and you'd be like, "You live like that all the time." (laughs) (laughs) It's guardrail to guardrail up here, man. (laughs) All right. Um, can cool. So that covered that covered the Roubaix. Are there any other new bikes that we missed that you can think of? The Slash, the High Pivot oh, yeah. Slash. You know, there's so many things. It's crazy because I carry every brand in the world, so every new bike applies to me. And like, I can't, I I can't keep up. It's there's so much shit. Yeah, so I'd I guess still we're like gonna to carry ride High a, Pivot bikes now. Yeah, I'd still like to ride a High Pivot bike, and I'd also still like to ride a Mullet bike. Is this the first major manufacturer to have a high pivot? I think so. Uh, Of the the big five. In recent times, I would say yes. You know, someone... Wait a minute. You think there was like an old one? Uh, No, no. I'm just saying that so some asshole doesn't write in. You're like, well, in 2004, the giant glory downhill bike had a modified idler pulley that technically is high pivot. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) I mean, relatively mainstream mainstream bike major manufacturer that's boost then yes this is this is it Ain't that I mean, cool. it's got all the stuff i would try to ride it it's just it's re- it's like 37 pounds it's got an interesting aesthetic when i look at it it's got like kind of a, a swoopy organic front triangle and then just dead straight lines on the rear triangle and it's really throwing me off well trek can't get away from their swoopy doopies but then the rear end just needs to be very angular and modern you gotta have that standover height man yeah you can't have your balls touching your top tube i mean god what would happen if that happened (laughs) also can we note one thing about that bike that's very important look at how small the logo is that is a very small trek logo it's the size of a trek's been doing that for a they've been doing that for a minute now yeah, but every once in a while I'll see a picture of one of those like Trek Sega Fredo, Sega Fredo, whatever, Team Madones, where the T is literally six inches tall on the down tube, and you're just like, God damn, you could read that going, like you could use that bike like a billboard. <laughs> I want someone to start all the way on the rear triangle and just write the name across the entire length of the bike, you know, where everything's missing, where there's not frame, if that makes sense. Oh, you know what I just read in this article is that the carbon frame comes pre-wrapped with an impact-resistant film that sits under the paint. That's kind of cool. That's just going to make your paint crack. Shh. Trek has the the best paint adhesion in the industry. There's no Uh, way they mess this up. That seems like a... Because it's already a problem with carbon. Carbon will flex and snap back. softer than paint, yeah. Yep, so it ends up cracking your paint and people freak out about it and it's really just superficial. And now they're going to make it even squishier, like add squish to the squish and then wonder why people are going to complain about paint. I'm a little I'm a little worried well, about that. Well, hopefully they don't offer this in Project 1 because the Americans do paint way worse than the overseas bikes. Ooh, At least they used uh, to. I don't know, Kenny, maybe you have more experience with that now and you can voucher not voucher that it's probably it's about the same as you would imagine okay (laughs) yeah so a couple things i really still looking at these pictures i really want to ride the new vivid rear shock at some point i think that would be really neat to see what that thing is about uh but yeah kind of cool we got a high pivot on a fairly mainstream bike like slash is about as mainstream as it gets so that's um interesting to see all right so I think we covered Slash. Yeah, there's... What else uh, we got going on? Does someone want to talk about, well, uh, since I've SRAM, been talking for a minute, SRAM patented, rear butter? Yeah, that's, uh, they were they they filed a patent for basically a butter cup on your rear shock mount. They need to call it front butter and rear butter. <laughs> uh, I was going to go for butter plug. Oh, God. Yeah, that's something different. <laughs> no, the ER in the middle really changes it. Yeah, totally. Uh, that looks cool. 
I, I don't really have a lot to say about it, but... I can say something about this. Um, last time I rode my stump jumper from Scott Banks' house, I was there, and he's like, what do you think of this new Lyric? Like, I was like, it's, it's good. It's modern suspension. It's just good. And he's like, yeah, he's like, do the buttercups make a big difference? And I was like, I don't know. And he looks at me, and I was like, no one on the planet outside of SRAM's test rider, like no one that we know has ridden this chassis without buttercups. And I'm not saying that buttercup doesn't work. I'm just saying that for the person that's like, oh, they're so good. You've never ridden that air spring assembly in that chassis stiffness with all of those technologies minus buttercup. And that's the only way you know what buttercup really does. And and I'm not knocking on SRAM in any way. I'm knocking on the jerks that are like, oh, it does all this and I can feel it. Nah, I don't know if you can't. Like if someone gave me a new Lyric, and I didn't know that Buttercup existed, and I hadn't, you know, wasn't allowed to open it, and I just went and wrote it. I'd be like, "Wow, this new fork's really good." And they'd be like, "Can you tell me what you're feeling?" I'm like, "Good fork, <laughs> just good fork." Yeah, it's like the the joke where the person's like, "I'm really good at identifying birds," and someone sends a picture, and they're like, "Yep, that's a bird." <laughs> it's like I don't, I don't know. Like it's just good. I don't know how to tell you. Like I can't tell you what about it is good. I mean, you might be able if someone took the fork apart and ins- uninstalled the butter cup and put it back together, and you rode it, and you didn't know that happened. You might be like, "Wow, my fork is my fork needs to be serviced or something like that." You might be able to tell that Maybe. something changed. Maybe, yeah. You don't know. And again, it's a complete I, package. I'm not knocking it, but I am saying that, like in these incremental chasing, you know, zeros. Like we want zero of friction we want zero of this we want zero of that if you can't test it back to back you just can't feel it and but but it's that collection of all of that two percent better here three percent better there five percent better here da 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 and you add all those little things up because remember we're talking about five percent of x not five percent of the total because it's a plus b plus c plus da 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 plus z equals the package I mean, you can take a little bit out here and a little bit out there, da-da-da-da-da, and it makes the whole thing a little bit better. It's really hard to say that one thing makes it better. With all that said, if you were like, put this butter plug shock on your bike, I'd be like, let her rip, tater chip, happy to do it, and I'm sure it'd be fine. (laughs) So do we have any other comments on rear butter? Butter plug. Oh, God. Let's go on to listener questions. No, we have to make fun of this. I don't want to make fun of this. I want to make fun of $100 titanium rear derailleur hangers they're supposed to make your bike shift better and they still have a built-in fail safe fuck like that's just the stupidest can i can i give my biggest complaint sure there was a giant typo on the silka page the day it launched and i just i i can't stomach that on a hundred dollar derailleur hanger what was the typo they said it was 12 times as stiff (laughs) <laughs> but then later they called it 12 times stiffer like on the same page they're it's like it can't be 12 times as stiff if it's as stiff it's as stiff it <laughs> could be 12 times stiffer but yeah but 12 times stiffer how during the shift 12 times stiffer before it snaps off like i i don't there's so many questions that i don't even care about the answer to <laughs> all right moving yeah on i mean to we just questions. we just didn't yeah, it's I I don't even want to. Silka is really trying to pay for that 3D titanium printer machine they bought that was a lot of dollars, and they're like, "What the fuck can we do with this thing that's like relatively tiny? Uh, let's make cleats, let's make a derailleur hanger, and we're gonna call them all amaze balls." Just. Right. Yeah, that stuff's a little annoying to me. It's like, yeah, the the kid who got his first 3D printer, and he's just like printing random shit around the house that Fucking is completely unnecessary. <laughs> Trinkets. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like the person that made essentially like the one-up EDC placement. Like it's a little thing that goes in your steer tube, and you take the cap off, and you lean your bike up, and you pour like M&Ms into your mouth. <laughs> That's the kind of shit they're printing with their printer. I mean, that's funny, right? Like, I got a 3D yeah, printer. Yeah. I'm going to make an M&M holder for my head tube. But to be like, I got a 3D printer. I'm going to make titanium derailleur hangers and take all their money. Speaking of then 3D when you try printing. To, 
Okay. God damn. This is, this is, is a this segue. A segue? This is a segue. This is a segue. This bitch made a segue. <laughs> Since we've beaten the derailleur hanger horse to death, I will say that we have a listener comment from Dean from Australia says, just a point of interest with the new Cane Creek E-Wings for e-bikes. They are the 3D printed titanium version, whereas the traditional the mountain bike traditional E-Wings are real welded metal. I still don't trust that 3D printed voodoo giga meta funky magic stuff yet. Cheers from Dean. See you in the NT. That's my state territory. Northern territory. Croc country. Apparently. Crikey, mate. So you can sh- keep shitting on 3D printing. I just wanted to make that segue. I you got it. I've heard lots of... I mean, and understand... Understand that I understand this is a, a a biased source, but I have been listening to some of the Marginal, marginal Gains podcast, and they talk about how 3D printed stuff is pretty good, but I just don't... I guess the thing that I'm struggling with is I, I'm not necessarily not trusting... Are you are you are you dying? A little bit. I'm not not trusting the process or the science. I'm questioning the necessity, and that's coming from me. We'll figure something out for it. It'll find its use in something besides small parts. Maybe that is its use as small parts, just not derailleur hangers. Uh, another new product. There's a new couple new Wahoo things. Wahoo is a fairly popular company, so we should probably touch on it. Oh, their new Trucher trainers. Yep, they got a new their new like flagship trainer. It's got the the wibbly wobbly to the side thing. That's a feature that it's they've had for a minute, which is just like rubber feet to you know make it less stable uh, and then make that a feature. So that's continuing on with this one, and it also has like a a rocky forward back situation, and I don't fully understand. Like what the mechanism is, I watched some videos and it does like kind of, it moves in a little bit of an arc. So it wants to settle, I think in the middle position. I don't really know, like what's the impetus for it to like go forward. I don't think there's any mechanical thing in there. It just like somehow moves forward and back. I'm not like fully clear on how that works. Maybe it's just- It sounds like it's wheels in a track. So it kind of just- Yeah, so I think it just has to do with your- like it has to do with your body motions, not necessarily the power that you're putting down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is my understanding. So that's interesting. I'm sure it's fine. I watched the DC Rainmaker review on it and like from a structural and accuracy standpoint, it's perfectly fine, which is cool. Um, do you need it? That is up to you, I suppose. What else do we have? Gonna, I don't think it's gonna make you any faster than just your standard whatever smart trainer but um i mean maybe you'd be more comfortable so you might be more likely to ride the trainer which would make you faster the biggest thing that i'm reading out of all these is now that the climb feature has been out for a while and they've been built into the first two versions of their complete bike is that most people don't really use or care about the climb feature (laughs) is what it boils down to yeah so they came out with a new bike that is a thousand dollars less than the current flagship one it's still very expensive at i think three thousand dollars and tell me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure it's three grand as opposed to four grand and it's made of steel it's like thinner which i think is a good thing because people were like rubbing their legs on the uh, center part of the old one and it goes away with the climb but it also has fewer moving parts so it doesn't like creak and groan i rode both of the other versions version one, version two with the climb feature. And that thing at like my normal center of balance, when I'm just like neutral on the bike, it would like, there was backlash in the gears and it would move up and down on me and just like clank. And it was super unnerving and it felt super (laughs) cheesy. And that really, really bugged me on a many, many, many thousand dollar thing. So I think they fixed that with this new one because they just got rid of that system altogether. So anyway, uh, New things from Wahoo. How much is the trainer? The new trainer is maybe 1600 Hold on. I think it's 1600 And I think the old flagship one without the move, but all the Wi-Fi and the little rubber feet and stuff, I think that one was maybe 1400 ish But oh, I, I feel I like that. not I... that long ago, 
their flagship trainer was like a thousand. Yeah, I don't and remember because I got it on like employee purchase at the bike shop. It's been ticking up and up and up. I mean, everything has, right? But man, that's a, whew, but, that's a lot oh, of money. Okay. 1600 bucks. But I guess the thing that I l- dislike the most about the kicker bike is it is so big. It's 100 pounds. It's large. But the new one, it just said, is 100 pounds less than the old one. Oh, it's 100 pounds less, but they didn't say how much it weighs. Yeah. They weigh a lot. I've lifted a lot of them. They're super not fun to move around. Yeah, I I guess. I mean, we've sold, we've probably sold, as a company, the version 1 and version 2, we've probably sold 50 of those things. I, I just don't understand why you wouldn't buy a trainer and then an LA or a Domane ALR. So super good point. Let's talk about it. I think a couple things about the bike that can be cool. If you have multiple people in your family that ride and want to use the trainer, this thing does pretty quickly change size, which is pretty cool. Uh, also there's zero maintenance. You're not lubing a chain more than likely if you sweat on this thing it's going to cause less issues than on your real bike that you have bolted up so those are the only positives i can really think of the negatives are you can't do anything else with it you can't take your lay off of it and go ride it outside so from you can't a price take standpoint your lay off and put it on a hook in the garage and slide that under the workbench you know yes. like it's always going to take up that much yes room. it's it is physically huge you are correct so there's Pluses and minuses to both. I can totally see certain use cases where the bike just kind of makes sense for people. I want to know so, how many people have broken a toe on the rear legs of this. I can't tell from the photo how far they stick out. It's like a Y-shaped frame that's on the ground, but I'm sure the rear legs stick out a good bit just to stabilize this with how large it is. And I know that someone has broken a foot digit on that. That's, that's possible. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, that's the, those are the new products from Wahoo. What else? There's a new, there's a new Crank Brothers pedal that does things. I don't really know what's different about it. I should probably read about it. But if you're curious, it's probably about all we'll <laughs> say about it. Oh, I'm looking at it real quick. And how do you service them? You throw it in the trash and you put a race face pedal on there. <laughs> uh there's no there's no spindle holes Mm-mm. that looks like a pedal from walmart oh they got the spindle out maybe that's only the one time that it comes out oh i guess that you just unbolt it from the side okay that's reasonable so i suppose like you can see in this marketing picture around the end which would be like the I don't know, the outer end of the part that the spindle is inside of, like on the pedal body, you can see the like leftover plastic molding, like yeah, kind like of mold reflected scene. in the You know what's not photo. good? You know what's not good is what? when in your review you say, and I quote, despite some contamination and subtle play, the pedal <laughs> still spun freely. <sighs> hmm. Okay. Sick. How much does this bad boy cost? Develop subtle play after three rides. Hmm. Uh, interesting. So they're, it's your standard $60 flat pedal. Stamp one. $60 for this thing? Buy yourself yeah, a race base mo- Chester and don't look back. God damn. You know how we say Crank Brothers makes multi-tools and it's the best product they make? The Chester is the best product that race face makes. They make a good handlebar too. No. Yeah, the, Chester, the Chester does good. Chester but does very good. It's just unrivaled in that market space. That's why they make. Uh, that's why it's been copied. That's why they make the Fuker. Who makes? We've talked the- about the Fuker. We've talked about the Fuker before, right? No. No. I, I think we did. So it's the Amazon pedal that is a race face Chester, and they oh. clearly stole the old molds from the race face Chester, <laughs> and they like dremeled some other stuff in it, and. It uh, now says Fuker on it, and it's the number one selling pedal on Amazon. It has like 100,000 reviews. It's insane. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Like, go look it up. It's bananas. I can't believe that's $60 for that. That looks like just such a cheap. This is like the pedal that, <laughs> it looks like the pedal that you have for the person that, 
I don't know, buys a stolen bike from the pawn shop and comes in and it's like, this doesn't have pedals on it or one's missing or something and I need the cheapest pedal you have. That's what this looks like. Like it's one pedal more expensive than the free ones that come with, I don't know, like specialized. I don't know if they still send out flat pedals with like every bike. It's one step nicer than those. Yeah, the Fugger pedal slaps. I just looked it up. That thing slaps. And I've I've felt the Fugers. Or they they're fine, right? They I think they're maybe the same. I, I don't I don't know. Maybe they're made of reconstituted fence posts as far as the metal of the spindle goes. They might snap off and kill you, but at least people aren't talking about it on the internet. Maybe because they're dead. <laughs> but I think maybe they're fine. I, I don't know. They're half price chesters. The ones that I found, just this one listing has 8,400 reviews with a 4.7 star rating. Yeah. Most of those are computer generated. It doesn't really, uh, you maybe can't trust not, reviews anymore. What's the, what do you think is the highest reviewed thing that's ever been sold mm. that's just universally loved by everyone in the world? A 55-gallon drum is? of lube. I would go with something really ridiculous like AirPods or something. Yeah, like for real. It's got to be like an Apple product, right? Of some kind, like an AirPod or like a, some generation of iPhone that was universally loved or something. I don't know. But the Fuker outdoes it on reviews. It's incredible. We're going we gonna to wrap this up. I think Andrea's dying. Oh, yeah. Sorry. We answered zero questions because we talked about all kinds of cool ass shit. No, we instead. answered Dean's oh, question that Dean's was more of a comment. Thing. Yeah. We'll read the other ones next week, or you guys will read the, next, <laughs> the other ones next week. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully, I am finished hunting before then. All right, everyone. Um, if we're ready to wrap it up. Shut it down. Shut her down. Shut her down. All right. Thank you all for listening, and good night. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along Show. There's some shit coming out of your pants. <laughs>